I'm Sierra Reed Langston, and this is the HIPAA Critical Podcast. The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, also known as HIPAA, was enacted in 1996. Since then, we've seen some major HIPAA violations that can cost up to $1.5 million per year. This can seem intimidating for your organization, especially if you don't know how to avoid a violation. Have you ever wondered how other businesses and practices are overcoming the challenges of maintaining HIPAA compliance? Well, in this episode, that is what you'll find out. Amongst the slew of HIPAA violations, such as lack of employee training, medical record mishandling, hacking and malware, improper disposal of PHI, lies one HIPAA violation that we will be discussing in great detail, and that is using unsecured technology to share PHI, protected health information. Our guest is going to fill us in on how they are able to maintain HIPAA compliance and what they have changed within their business because of COVID. Today, we have Matthew Wallace, Vice President of Strategic Initiatives and Partnerships at Easter Seals, Louisiana, discuss these topics in greater detail. He primarily oversees any strategic procurement, fundraising, and government affairs work, and was previously a business development manager at Nurse Family Partnership. Hi, Matthew. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm very happy to have you on. Thanks, Sierra. I'm so excited to be joining you all. Matthew, can you provide some background on Easter Seals, Louisiana, who you guys are, where you're located, and who you all serve? I think that would be a great starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Easter Seals, Louisiana is actually part of the National Easter Seals Network, which was founded over 100 years ago in 1919 by Edgar Allen. Um, and we've operated in Louisiana since 1951. And really, our, our focus of our mission is to assist individuals with disabilities achieve independence. Currently, we have nearly 200 employees across the state supporting almost 10,000 individuals annually, and we do that through our nine separate service sites. Um, some of our primary supports include case management for individuals with a developmental or age-related disability, early intervention services, and a host of behavioral health programs. Some of those include transitional housing, peer support, and reentry case management. Okay, great. Thanks so much for explaining a little bit more about the company. And can you provide additional background on yourself and your focus? Yeah, I came to Easter Seals, Louisiana just over two years ago in January of 2019, prior to which I worked in business development with the Nurse Family Partnership, a national evidence-based maternal and child health nonprofit, and in private consulting. My area of passion is really around public health um, and building systems that support the needs of the entire community, no matter who those individuals might be. I really do believe that when our people are healthy, our communities are healthy and they thrive. My education background is actually um, an undergraduate degree in business and psychology from Centenary College of Louisiana. And I also obtained my MBA from LSU with a concentration in healthcare. At ESL, I primarily oversee our public policy work, which means I interface with lawmakers, um, health department officials, and many of our local governing entities throughout the state. I'm also responsible for our marketing and communications, whether that be through traditional um, channels and also our social media, uh, as well as our development and fundraising activities. And of course, we're a nonprofit, so my role is really serve where needed and when needed. Yes, I was about, I was about to say, you wear, yeah. a lot of, you wear a lot of hats from what I was researching. Yes, <laughs> sometimes I dabble in IT or <laughs> in talent development, um, but it's really a passion to be able to pour our team and the work that we do across the state. Well, I love our that. Team members are really um, the backbone of our organization, providing the day-to-day supports of our, our families across the state. Right. I really, really love that. And a challenge for you guys has been maintaining HIPAA compliance as you guys need to share protected health information with the participants that you serve in Louisiana state offices, from what I understand, how did this challenge amplify during COVID? Uh, What a great question. I mean, just like any other organization, of course, COVID-19 kind of 
turned us on our head uh, starting really in March um, as we saw the numbers start to tick up. As your listeners may remember, Louisiana was actually one of the first states to really have a large surge in COVID cases. Yeah, um, I do remember that. And, and as a, a result of that, we really um, kind of pivoted to, to virtual work almost immediately, um, which was a, a complete paradigm shift for our organization because we're normally, the majority of our services are developed or delivered, excuse me, by visiting our clients in their home, um, mm-hmm. which as you can imagine during COVID is uh, very challenging and not safe. Um, so we had to move to seeing our clients virtually, doing video calls, uh, et cetera. And unfortunately, individuals with disabilities have really been disproportionately affected by COVID. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that in case counts and unfortunately in, in deaths due to COVID-19. So we're continuously concerned about our patient safety each and every day. So working from home, our individual, our team members saw a large increase in our email volume. We had to start sharing PHI, which believe it or not, prior to COVID was still done a lot through paper and mailing things and sending Oh, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, we hear that a lot. The fax machine, you know, everyone is Absolutely. using outdated technology and because of COVID and the digital transformation, people are having to, you know, take a step forward and move into the next, um, the next stage of technology. Yes. So we started to have to do scanning and using our phones and all kinds of creative things. And so we were emailing documents to participants, to our state partners, other care team members. And so we really saw uh, a need to make sure we shored up our PHI transmission and HIPAA compliance. Right, right, right. And I know we talked about, about COVID a little bit, but how has COVID changed your IT stack? That's a, that's a great question as well. Um, we actually this year made the largest one-time investment in technology in our organization's history, nearly $100,000, which for an organization of our size is, is a very strong investment. Mm-hmm. Um, we purchased laptops for almost every member of our team because previously folks had been used to working in the office where we had desktops and <laughs> didn't contemplate this world where we would need <laughs> laptop computers. We've learned Google Meet and Zoom. We became experts, maybe not quite experts, but <laughs> <laughs> and Google Drive to be able to um, have things in the cloud and share things remotely. Um, and that's just in addition to other software things we needed to layer onto our IT infrastructure to make sure folks were successful um, working from home and being able to share those documents back and forth, which of course um, involved our investment in Palbox. Right. And what were some must have items you needed in an email encryption solution? Well, normally we like to raise the bar for everything at Easter Seals, Louisiana, (laughs) but email encryption is really something where we as an executive team wanted to lower the bar for our team members. As I mentioned earlier, this kind of overnight transformation uh, to working from home and and seeing our clients on a screen versus in person Mm -hmm. uh, was very challenging for our team, something that they really rose to the occasion to, but we wanted email compliance and HIPAA compliance to be the last thing on their mind. We wanted their energies focused on supporting those individuals who really needed the help. So when we were looking for a a new solution for email encryption, we wanted something that would just kind of be automatic. That would just be no thought. Our team members could send an email and know that the information they were sending was protected. Um, And that was really important for us as we really searched out a solution. Well, thank you. And what was your previous encrypted email solution and how was the user experience for the recipient with that solution? Yeah, previously we had um, used several different solutions like Virtu. We had some browser extensions with our G Suite. And what made those those solutions cumbersome was when we had new team members, you had to have hours of training because they were it was very user-driven. So you had to turn it on or turn it off and right. adjust the settings. And you had to have the right browser extension installed. And maybe, you know, our team members weren't as tech savvy as as, as some. And so 
uh, it just led to a lot of risk out there for us to, to have to put the onus on the user versus what we found in Palbox, where that just kind of seamlessly runs in the background. Um, everything is encrypted end to end. We know that uh, we even had to test it with our state partners. We knew that it was received by most um, email clients. We haven't really heard any reports of, of people not being able to receive the Palbox encrypted emails. So since our implementation, it's really just been um, a seamless transition where we don't even think about it, which to us was really the goal. Well, thank you. And I love our solution too, because it removes the human error. And I hear that time and time again on the podcast and talking to folks for our customer stories that user error is the thing that they're most scared about. And then that's the thing that leaves companies vulnerable as well. Absolutely. So great. So how do you keep up with industry trends and best practices? It's such an interesting question. And I was kind of thinking about this um, before our, our interview today. So much of my work is, is that. It's very personal. It is conversations with individuals. It's relationships. So a lot of the way that I keep up with industry trends and best practices is just having a robust network, um, which has been interesting during COVID. Mm-hmm. And really something that I've been working with our team members is that I think we've lost that, just that see you around, uh, see you at this meeting kind of interactions with folks. Yes. So trying to be really intentional about how I'm connecting with colleagues across industries and across the state, having kind of just catch up meetings just to learn more about what's going on. Because really in in the work that I do, uh, that knowledge is power. Knowing Mm -hmm. uh, who's interested in what, where we can partner, where we can bring a solution to the table um, is very important. Beyond that, uh, a lot of Twitter and following various hashtags and trying to figure out uh, up to the minute information, especially in the government affairs space. Mm -hmm. So much of that is so quickly changing. And of course, just reading industry publications and such as well. Okay, great. And last but not least, what do you do to de-stress and relax? (laughs) Well, I think COVID has really helped us try to focus on those last two pieces of de-stressing and relaxing. And can't say that I'm perfect all the time, but I really do try to take that time um, for myself. I actually work from home prior to COVID-19. I do too. Um, I work from home too. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a, a steadfast rule that I'd I don't do more than 24 hours at the house by myself. So I, um, I try to get out, walk around the neighborhood or, or be in a space where it's safe to be socially distanced from individuals. Um, as far as personal outlets, I love to cook. I'm from Louisiana, of yeah. course. Where I think we have some of the best food uh, <laughs> in, in the country, if not in the world. So that's always a fun endeavor. Uh, I didn't quite make it to the uh, bread making experimentation stage. Oh, <laughs> of COVID. Nice. Uh, but but cooking, uh, cooking different dishes and such, spending time with friends, of course, is now more in a virtual context, um, enjoying a little bit of TV here and there, but just finding those little outlets and little nuggets of ways that you can just take a minute to recharge, I think is so important. Yeah, I agree with you. Recharging is super important. And Matthew, that concludes our interview today. So I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. I enjoy joining you. Thank you for having me. Some exciting news. We have set a date for our next virtual event. So mark your calendars. Pawbox Spring Summit 2021, Secure Communication for Testing and Vaccination in a Pandemic will take place virtually on April 6th. We are actively looking for event speakers and sponsors. If you have any interest, please send an email to myself at Sierra, S-I-E-R-R-A at pawbox.com. And always, as a reminder, you can listen to other podcasts at pawbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. Thanks again and see you next time.